Good morning, Lansing. It's Saturday, it's 9 a.m., and the pet experts are in the building. This is the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show on 1320 WILS and 1320WILS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Rick Pruce and Lee Cohen. Welcome, pet keepers, to this week's MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. I'm your host, Lee Cohen, and I'm here with, wait a minute, that's not Rick Pruce sitting in the Rick Pruce chair. We have Mark Stevens, who is the coordinator for Project Fish. Welcome to the studio, Mark. Well, thank you, Lee. I appreciate being here. Oh, it's our pleasure to have you. Uh, Rick Pruce isn't always available, and sometimes to have somebody who can fill in and is very intelligent on the topic that we're going to discuss discuss today is always useful. And the topic we're going to discuss today is having to do with the MSU extension, because there's a lot of people who don't know what the heck I mean when I say MSU extension. Can you explain to the listeners what I mean by that? Well, the really cool thing about MSU Extension is it's everywhere. It's in every county in the state of Michigan. It's in your local community. It's right down the road. It's people living in your community that are Extension employees. It's, uh, yeah, and, and, and... any subject that is important to that community usually is has a, a specialist in that community, in that office of extension that could help you out. Well, whether it has to do with learning about certain animals or in the case of the extension program that my wife has been involved with, which was learning how to be a master gardener, if it has to do with personal finance, if it has to do with just uh, sociability and other issues, there just always seems to be an extension program for it. And what's amazing is the public not only doesn't know that it exists, but nor do they know the people necessarily who are bringing it to them because there is, a, I don't want to say an army, but darn, it gets close sometimes in terms of the number of people who are involved with extension in order to make it happen and to work with 4-H groups and other things like that. Uh, it's it's really quite an operation. It's it's definitely a best kept secret. Absolutely, it's uh, we have world class researchers at the university and and employees at the university that are specialists and experts, and they. Extension is passing that knowledge from those folks back to the communities and and through through these offices within every county. Well, today we're going to get a chance to talk with the new director of the MSU Extension. He's only been on the job for a couple of months, but he seems like quite an interesting gentleman. His name is Quentin Tyler, and again, he is the director of MSU Extension, and it's going to be interesting to listen to his background and his understanding of what he wants to do with it because he's been involved with Extension extension in Kentucky, and he brings an interesting background to it and some real goals of not just getting the word out about extension, but also the inclusion of it and the ways that people see extension. It's not just for the rural communities, like a lot of people seem to think. 
Exactly. You know, there's there's a number of programs that are under that uh, extension uh, arm. You know, from the breastfeeding initiative, which is real, or or proper food preparation. There's all different kinds of things. There's technology. There's all kinds of things that they get community kids involved in. Even even how to go to your local uh, uh, um, legislator or go to the the capital and learn how to be a, a politician or how a bill becomes a law. Or teaching kids how to do those kinds of things, a capital experience. It's its really a cool thing. Well, to me, the thing I love about it is that you can learn skills that can really make your life a better life. Mm-hmm. And that's so useful to me because I just think of all of the food that my wife has grown this summer and we couldn't eat it all. And so she also learned how to can it. So now we've got it stored for future use and everyone's going to hear about prices going up on the news all the time. But guess what? When it comes to certain things, you don't have to worry about that because if you learn how to do things like this through extension, you can. So we'll talk with Quentin all about that. And then, Mark, we'll spend the second half of the show talking about Project Fish and learning all about Project Fish. So uh, hopefully we can teach a man to fish and hopefully they will go out and have a great experience. Not so much like the Fredo experience from Godfather (laughs) 2. but a great one. And so we'll have that conversation right here on 1320 WILS. It's the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show with Britt Proust and Lee Cohen on 1320 WILS. We're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And, Mark, we have with us on the line a first-time guest. His name is Quentin Tyler, and he is the director of MSU Extension. Quentin, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure to have you. Now, how long have you been on the job uh, in terms of being the director at the Extension? Well, first, uh, I would say six months. It's, it's definitely been a, a great honor to represent this organization as the director. I initially started May 1st as the interim director, and that title was removed uh uh, the 1st of June. Okay. And for people who don't know, and I know it's going to shock you that there's people who don't, but there's a lot of people out there that have no idea what MSU Extension is. Can you tell our listeners? Yes. Yeah, so a lot of times, you know, people refer to, to Extension as the best kept secret. And it's one of the things that we're looking you know, to, to remove. But for those who are not aware of Extension, Extension is the outreach arm of the university. Extension helps improve the lives of people by bringing the vast knowledge and resources of MSU directly to individuals, communities, and businesses. In addition to that, MSU Extension has been helping grow in Michigan's economy, economy by equipping Michigan residents with information they need to do their jobs better raise healthy and safe families, and also build their communities and empower children to dream of a successful future. We've been doing this for over 100 years, and we have representation in all 83 of Michigan's counties. We're also spread out. Uh, we're organized under uh, four different institutes. So we have our Agriculture and Agribusiness Institute. We also have our Human Nutrition Institute, our Children, Youth, 
Institute and also Community Food and Environment Institute. Okay. Now, how does the extension differ from the regular university? A lot of people don't understand kind of how they operate in a side-by-side manner. What's the difference between going to school to getting a degree and focusing through extension on improving your knowledge? How, how are they the same? How are they different? So, so first, we're based actually in the county. We're, we're there. We're, in, we're embedded within the communities. We have a pulse on, on the community. In addition to that, as I mentioned before, we have offices or we have representation in all 83 of uh, Michigan County. And also, uh, at the university level, we work with our faculty. So we have faculty have uh, research and extension appointments. So we get that knowledge based on that research and apply it to directly to those communities. So you can walk into your local county office and meet extension folks. Okay. We're your neighbors. We're the, we're, you know, we're all part of your community. Wow. And when it comes to the kinds of things that you do, most people anticipate that, well, I go to class, I read books, I listen to lectures, and that's how I learn. How is extension different from that? Yeah, so again, we're focusing on uh, on improving our community, improving our families, and also growing our business and economy. So we're here to assist and help you as individuals and also as a collective. So again, extension is that resource. It's that person, those individuals, that organization. I refer to the people's organization. Okay. So it sounds almost like you're a group of consultants that are out there that we as, as citizens can lean on for information or improved understanding of things that we're trying to gain better knowledge of. Is that fair? Absolutely correct. So we are that group of folks, you know, to help support you in building yourself up and as well as your community. Okay. And how do people get involved with extension? Is it something where there's uh, just an office and you go in there and you sign up? Or, I mean, how, how does the communication work for people to understand what all the different options are for people to be able to learn? Yeah, so first, uh, there's several ways you can get in contact with us. Uh, you can visit our website at extension.msu.edu and click on the county tab. In particular, if you look at the Ingham County, you can see some of the great experiences we have coming up. You know, I looked earlier today and saw that there's some online mindfulness workshops over the lunch hour, a Zoom about adult sibling relationships and tips how to build and protect your credit. And if you look later in the month, you'll find parenting workshops, home ownership, education, information about budget. Also some cool experiences for kids coming up as well. In particular, you can call, if you're in this area, you can call the Ingham County office at 517-676-7207. And then they have a lot of things coming up as well as the online food preservation workshop. So a lot of different ways to get involved. But first, I would start at the website, extension.msu.edu. See, I think that is just fabulous. Having just gone through in the last couple of weeks, my wife has been putting to work some of the skills that she's gained over the years, one of which is canning. And she did a lot of growing over the summer. We've had a very good year for growth, and we've got enough vegetables to last us into 2023, probably. And the good news is they're canned and they're away, so I don't know what inflation is going to be, but it sure isn't going to affect us when it comes to vegetables. That's one of the things that she learned through Extension. What other kinds of things are out there? Yeah, so, you know, in particular, you know, one of the things I think about my own experience, 
you know, uh, an extension, uh, youth development. You know, it's a lot of programs for, for youth. You know, in particular, you know, I was involved in 4-H, 4-H camping experience, you know, uh, and then also just the leadership development. There's a lot of, we have a, a vast array of curriculum, you know, to meet people where they're at. In addition to that, you know, I actually worked in extension in financial consulting and working with farms, uh, with farmers to improve their, you know, their output, you know. So there's a lot of different ways to get involved, you know, uh, in extension, you know, and again, there's never a one-size-fits-all, but we have something for everybody. Well, the one thing I will say for certain that I'm thrilled to hear that you're involved with is the 4-H, because I was reading your background about that, and Mark and I were speaking before we came on the air, and I said to him, one of my frustrations is having grown up in uh, the city more so than in a uh, more rural area, 4-H is well known in rural areas, and there are families that are generationally involved but there are so many kids who grow up in a more urban setting who don't really know what 4-H is. And in my view, they are deprived of so many just life lessons that they can learn, positive associations with industrious people and other things like that. What are you going to do in order to make 4-H in particular something that more kids do get involved with and learn from while they're young? That's exactly right. You know, if I think about 4-H, it has a lot of different content areas. In particular, if you think about animal science, you know, some of the programs they have just in particular are the 4-H Animal Science and Vet Science Club. They have a 4-H uh, Companion Animals, 4-H Horse and Ponies, you know, 4-H Swine and Production and Management. And then if you look at, you know, arts, right? So we have a 4-H Clothing and Textiles, 4-H Performing Arts, 4-H Clover Buds, even for those that are five between the ages of five and seven. We also have 4-H Exploration Days and 4-H Visual Arts. Now, if you're thinking about careers and entrepreneurship, you know, we also have, uh, you know, Adulting 101. We have Youth Business Guide to Success. We have Youth Entrepreneurship. We also have 4-H Junior Citizen Planner. And then for those that really love environmental and outdoor education, you know, again, we have a lot of opportunities for 4-H state shooting sports. We also have a 4-H Youth Conservation Council and also 4-H Renewable Energy. And last but certainly not least, if you talk about global and cultural education, which is very important in this ever-changing world, we also have what we call 4-H Interstate Exchanges, Citizenship, Washington Focus, and also 4-H Folk Patterns, in addition to the 4-H China Project and also the World Food Prize Michigan Youth Institute. So there's a lot of different things going on. And then, you know, I'd be remiss if I don't talk about the healthy youth. So we have 4-H Healthy Youth at MSU Camp and also Jefferson Foods and Fitness Program as well. Now, when it comes to 4-H or just any use of extension, one of the concerns a lot of times that people have is that it's a financial concern because uh, there are people who just don't have a lot of excess money necessarily and they're concerned about monitoring their expenses. Extension really isn't all that expensive, is it, to take advantage of? Not at all. You know, and I think the unique thing about it is if there is any type of charge to any of our programs, we have excellent folks, you know, that donate and provide scholarships to a lot of our programs. We in Extension definitely believe in equity, you know, and again, meeting people where they're at and improving the lives of all Michiganders. Now, if someone were interested in really digging into 
this program and seeing what's out there, how should they get started? I mean, what what steps in the process should they take to learn what all options are available and how to get involved with them? What should they do or who should they speak with? Yeah, you know, uh, just kind of backing up, you know, what I mentioned previously. First, it's exploring the website. You know, extension.msu.edu. It's a lot of information and content out there. And again, you know, uh, you know, I think that's really important. And then also, again, if you click on the local county tab, wherever you are throughout the state, there's information on your local office. And then you can reach out either, either via email or via phone. You know, so all the information is listed there. Any of the areas identified. So people can talk to somebody who's local in their area and consult with them on a regular basis. What kind of hours are extensions open? Are they typical business hours, or are there weekend opportunities? Because a lot of times. The people I know who've gotten involved with extension, this has been an evening and a weekend thing that they've done outside of their ordinary work life. Uh, how does that work? You know, I, I typically call extension a classroom without walls. And then what that means is that, you know, we're very flexible, we're very nimble. You know, uh, so again, we meet people where they're at. So whether that's eight to five, whether it's evening, evening or weekend program. Yeah. Uh, Quentin, this is this is Mark Stevens here. Um uh, that that's very true of what you're saying. I, I consider myself an extension employee, although I'm I'm, I'm not working for extension. Uh, I work in the Department of Fisheries and Wildlife, but my phone is open 24/7, and uh, you know the people that I have contact with my volunteers, and this this I think is true with a lot of extension educators is that they're they're open to their community. They're they're people who are living in the community and can actually talk to somebody at any time. It's not like an office thing. There is an office hours and it's usually, you know, an eight to five thing that I that I found. But, you know, if you if you have a connection with that extension employee, then you're pretty much communicating with them often. Exactly. Now when it comes to the instructors and the people who are involved with it. You mentioned that some of the professors from the university are involved with it. Is that where the bulk of them come from, or are there people who are just merely business and volunteer to get involved uh, with it, or other people in the community to get involved? I mean, how do you find the right experts for each area? Because I mean, there's a lot of diversity in terms of the things people can learn from Extension. Yeah, so, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll answer that by saying Extension has, you know, been around for over 100 years. We have a proven model. We have relationships, you know, uh, not only within the counties, but also on campus and also across the country and across the world. You know, uh, I think extension, MSU Extension has a, a global impact. You know, and I'll just speak to this. Just recently, uh, this week, I had a uh, a meeting with the Minister of Agriculture out of India. You know, he talked about, you know, he, he leverages our expertise, our knowledge, you know, as we work, you know, to have global impact. So, again, you know, we have those folks that are trained, that are developed, that, that keep, you know, with contemporary, on contemporary issues, you know, and they take that knowledge back to the community. So, again, we have trained folks in the county, you know, that, that deliver programs, that facilitate, you know, training, you know, and then we work in collaboration with our Ag Bio Research, with, uh, you know, Michigan Department of Agricultural Development. We've got a lot of partners across the state and across the country. 
Quentin, comparatively to other extensions tied to other universities, how does MSU compare in that area? I mean, just in terms of the breadth and the depth. Yeah, so, you know, and I love that question, right, because, you know, prior to MSU, it was at the University of Kentucky. And at the University of Kentucky, I worked heavily in extension. And one of the things that we were doing at Kentucky was uh, restructuring our organization. And one of the models that I looked at actually was MSU. You know, being organized into four institutes, you know, uh, the breadth and knowledge of our folks here, you know, and the impact that we're making globally. So, I, to me personally, I have a bias toward MSU Extension, and I say MSU Extension is one of the best extension services in the world. Wow. Well, I have a bias, too, for MSU, but I won't say it's for the same reason. I just have been an MSU nut for a long time. But we want to welcome you to the University, Quentin, and and we want to wish you the best of luck because everything that you guys do over there are helpful to the rest of us. So we want to thank you, and we hope to speak with you again. Yes, I definitely look forward, and I enjoyed the conversation. Well, great. Well, we appreciate it. We've been speaking this morning with Quentin Tyler, who is the new director of the MSU Extension. And again, he's going to be a great person as a resource uh, to speak with and to learn from. So thank you very much. And Mark, we're going to be back right after the break, right here on 1320 WILS. If you're out of the listening area, you can hear the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show live online. Go to 1320WILS.com and click on the Listen Live link. Seagull, you fly across the horizon into the misty morning sun. Nobody asks you where you are. This is more compelling talk radio, 1320 WILS, and the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show. Now, back to Rick Cruz and Lee Cohen. It's 9.35, and we're back here with the MidMichigan Pet Expert Talk Show. And we're going to talk for this segment with Mark Stevens, my guest here in the studio. Mark, that was such an interesting conversation that we had with Quentin. Uh, Now, your role is that you are a project or a program coordinator with Project Fish. Yep, that's right. And for people out there who don't know what the heck is Project Fish, that <laughs> people would want to get involved with it. I mean, is it that you go out every Sunday and put out a line? I mean, what what is Project well, I, Fish? I, I wish I was doing that for myself, for sure. <laughs> um, no, but it, we, we want people to go out every Sunday and fish. That's, okay. that's one of the things that we do. People don't have the knowledge to do that or uh, expertise or comfort level to do that. So that's my job, is to help them do that. Okay, and how do you go about doing that job? Well, um, I've been doing it for about 25 years. It's another one of those best kept secrets, just like extension. I'm okay. basically considered uh, extension-y. You know, uh, any type of outreach that we do with the university is extension. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my, my department, the Department of Fisheries and Wildlife, has this program, and we've been doing it for forever, finding private funds in order to keep it going. And uh, uh, so basically, my, I, what I tell people is I teach adults how to teach kids to fish. 
So really, I'm teaching adults to fish, and then they feel comfortable to take their kids. But then I also work with kids. In fact, right after this uh, program, I'm, I'm going to be going to a local school here, and we, I've got a bunch of walleye, and we're going to have the kids clean them, and uh, uh, we're going to cook them. Okay. And we'll show them the process of how to do all that, so there's some science involved in it. Um, but, uh, but, but, but then again, getting back to the, the fish themselves and how to get how to get people fishing is I, I do a workshop that's a project fish workshop and fish stands for friends involved in sport fishing heritage so really it's a kind of a place-based community-based education program we're finding local community members that are willing to work with kids and then we teach them to work with kids you know because a lot of those guys you know they'd much rather smack the kid upside the head or something you know but that's not at all what we do uh you know we, we these people have a lot of talent in the community and have a lot of knowledge about their local community so that we tap into those folks uh we tap into teachers we tap into uh grandparents whoever wants to help work with kids and and teach them their passion. Well, let's let's take a step back because one of the things that seems I I don't know if it's ironic is the right word, but it it seems interesting to me that we have to teach people to fish because the old rule of thumb was that if you want to eat, you have to teach a man to fish and you don't want to just give him a fish. But I would think that there's a lot of people who know how to do this already. Why is it that your organization felt like we need to teach more people to do it or teach them how to do it better. Is it that people weren't doing it well or is it that people have really lost interest in the sport of fishing? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, uh, Many years ago, we saw a precipitous drop in license sales in the state of Michigan Um, and people were just not interested or lost the interest or actually what we considered, we, we lost a generation of people. People focused on their jobs and things like that, and they really didn't pass on the knowledge of fishing to their children. And so those children are now raising children. And so uh, we're finding a lot of parents, I've never fished before. I fished when I was a little kid, and I've never done it before, you know, done it after that. So they don't have the knowledge to just or feel comfortable teaching kids to fish. Fishing seems like it's really simple to do. You know, you put a worm on a hook with a fishing rod, but there's a lot of things that go along with that. And that's what we're trying to teach. It's okay to go out and thrash at the water, you know, and go try stuff. But then you could also get really bored or or, you know, do things improperly. You hook yourself or you tangle all the time or something like that where it's not fun. So, right. so don't go, right? So that's what we're seeing is people just not – you know, taking the opportunity to spend some time outdoors until the pandemic. Right. You know, once the pandemic hit, um, we saw a huge rise in in people who are trying to do things in the outdoors that they've never done before because it's a safe place to be. Go outside with your family. You know your family's safe to be around. It's outdoors. You know, you're away from everything. And now you're learning about, wow, this is pretty cool. I'm out here having fun. <laughs> well, it's it's funny you say that because I'm, I'm thinking as I'm listening to you and remembering back to my past. And as a child, I remember... I remember my mother had some friends who we would go over to their house. It was about 45 minutes away from where we lived, and we would go fishing with their their family as well. 
and I remember being out there, and I, I don't remember spectacular, unbelievable moments like I might remember, say, a Michigan State football game that I went to. Uh, I remember that more easily. But I do remember going and enjoying the experience, and it's funny because uh, I live on water. And so I've got the opportunity every single weekend to pour myself a cup of coffee, walk on the back deck, and look out over a lake. And I'm frankly very shocked at how few people are out there fishing in the mornings like I would expect them to be because it just seems like that is something that more people would take advantage of. Why is it that this happened? Did we just get too sophisticated for it? Did food get too easy for us to get somewhere else? I mean, explain to me how that change occurred and what do we have to teach people to get it back. To get it back. Well, well. Again, we we focused. I think there's an old generation that, um, like you're saying, the food maybe food came too easily, and you know you don't need to go fishing. But there was a generation where fishing was really important. We were talking about my friend Howard Tanner. Howard Tanner was right. from that generation that you know you use what was in the water. He created a fishery, and people were like, oh, "This is great. We can catch salmon. We can eat those salmon. We can can them. We can pickle them. We can smoke them. We can do all that." And we have food and and that's really important so um but i think we missed that general people got focused on a, a a different job and they weren't participating in the outdoors like they used to you know um and and so that wasn't passed on that generation wasn't pat that that fishing knowledge wasn't passed on and i think that that is um one of the reasons why people just lost interest time is another thing time spent outdoors is another thing so that's what i hear a lot when i talk to people about why why you don't fish well i really kind of don't know how to do it you know and and i and i really don't have time to do it, it takes a lot of time to do that and you know i don't know enough about it how do you clean up you know that kind of thing why go if i'm not going to use them so there was a whole if you lose that knowledge and it's not passed on then you don't do it so or you do something else you know right. soccer comes around and now every mom is in a in a van without fishing rods taking their kids to a soccer play you know right. that kind of thing so you know that you and i the generation that we're from we did those things we went to a cottage with folks and we spent our time fishing or playing in the water that's what i did all my early life you know as we went to st john's marsh and we were in the marsh just playing all the time and i think kids really miss are missing something and that's part of what we're trying to bring back to that right now when it comes to motivating these kids frankly i'm i'm trying to imagine that you've got kids sitting on a sofa with a screen in their lap and a screen across the room that's probably on and they're talking to their friends and that seems to be the dominant focus whereas fishing is something where you're typically on a boat a lot of times fishermen are alone uh, mm-hmm. Although you can do it with other people, but it just seems like how do you get these kids who are socialized with these screens these days to all of a sudden say, the heck with that. I'm instead going to enjoy being outdoors, being in nature, uh, being out and really enjoying a heritage that 
literally goes back thousands and thousands of years. <laughs> so it sounds like a daunting task, doesn't yeah, it? It does. But but you know what? It, it is a little daunting because of that competition with screens and how easy that is. And you know, parents are putting kids in front of screens as babies kicking, and they're seeing their screen going if they kick harder or something. You know, just weird things like that. Mm-hmm. Whereas if we we're, we're finding out that if you introduce the kids to it, they're figure they're figuring out what what they're missing. Right. Uh, you know, like the, I've had these kids uh, from this local school on three occasions. Every time they've been there, they're just like, this is a blast. This is so much fun. Right. We're going to do this, you know. So the first time we met with them, we showed them how to cast and how to cast safely. And we did it in a fun way. You know, we took them out and we played some games with these plastic fish that we have and they have to catch the fish and, you know, that kind of thing. And then uh, uh, then they the next time we met with them, we actually took them fishing. We showed them how to be safe so that when we took them fishing, they were catching fish. None of them knew how to take take fish off the hooks right. you know, or bait or anything. So there was that. They learned that stuff and they were excited about it. Yesterday, they were making tackle. They were actually tying spinner hooks and things like that. So today, they're going to be cleaning some fish and learning how to cook. Fascinating. We're talking this morning with Mark Stevens, who is program coordinator for Project Fish. When we come back from the break, we'll talk about some of the expenses that are involved in fishing, some of the different alternatives that are out there. And we'll do that right here on 1320 WILS. The Pet Experts are in. This is the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show on more compelling talk radio, 1320 WILS. We're back here with the Mid-Michigan Pet Expert Talk Show, and we've been talking this morning all about uh, the MSU extension, and uh, we've been talking about Project Fish, and we have with us in the studio the program coordinator for Project Fish, Mark Stevens. And Mark, before the break, we were talking about the ability of people to uh, tie a lure and and to go fishing. And it reminded me of days back when I would be on the Osabo River up north and going tubing. And there were a lot of very well-dressed yet angry <laughs> fishermen who were standing in the water yeah. and were casting their flies and were out fly fishing. Tell me exactly how what is fly fishing for those who don't know and what's the fun of it and how well, does it work? It's 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 a different culture of fishing. There's cultures within fishing, and that's one of them. And uh, fly fishing, there you know, there are purist fly fishermen that uh, that actually tie their own flies, and some of them don't even put a a, a hook on it. Like a, they they cut off the hook, the point of it, and just so they can see the fish rise, you know, to take the fly that they actually tied, mm-hmm. which is, you know, and that, that a lot of them are people who have fished all their lives and, you know, catching a fish is not anything to them, but it, being out there in nature and just it, it, enjoying the, the pureness of nature and just watching that fish go after a fly that they tied or something. So, you know, fly, t- we teach fly tying to kids as well in all of our workshop because you can fish behind you know, a, a float. Well, they call them strike indicators, but I call them bobbers. Okay. <laughs> so they're, you know, so there's it depends on how they're dressed. I tease fly fishermen all the time. Right. But fly fishing is really a, a cool sport. You learn a lot about what fish are eating because
because that's to be successful as a fly fisherman, you have to understand what those fish are eating. So a lot of it is entomology. It's like looking at the the bottom and looking at the the types of creatures that those fish are feeding on. So um, and that's the whole science behind fishing too. Is you go out and you learn about the macroinvertebrates that those fish are eating, caddisflies or stoneflies or, or or you know damsel and dragonflies, that kind of stuff that that those fish are looking for. And then you mimic. You, you, a lot of guys walk up to the water and they'll see what's hatching. And then they'll go, oh, yeah, that's a gray drake. Okay, I'm going to tie that one on and try to catch the fish because that's what the fish are eating. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they'll take uh, uh, a, a syringe and they'll put it down their throat with a little tube and then suck out the, the in, the, what they have been eating and look at it and then use the fly that mimics that. So there's that whole science is really a cool thing. So you, you think – you think that that's a really expensive sport? It can be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it can be. You can get crazy about pretty much any hobby that you have, I'm sure, and fly fishing is one of those things. But overall, fishing itself does not have to be uh, an expensive sport comparatively to other sports that are out there that people spend time with. Uh, Because I've heard people say to me that that's a reason that they don't fish is they don't want to have to get a boat and all the equipment and all of that, and it's time-consuming, and yet I'll turn around and say to them, and yet you've got the biggest bag of golf clubs that I've ever seen in the world that you update all the time, and you can't go golfing for less than four hours on any particular occasion, and you're paying for greens fees every time that you go out there. It seems like fishing isn't that expensive. It isn't that expensive. Not when you can fish with a pop can and a hook and bobber. We do that with kids. We show kids how to fish with a pop can and a hook and a bobber simple as that and they just use a thumb cast and then use throw the throw the line out that's wrapped around the can and then you then you reel in the line with the can Mm -hmm. and then we step it up to like a i've got a video on my um uh, on my YouTube page, which is Project Fish 08. If you go to that, you'll see a video of making what we call fish sticks out of PVC pipe. And then you put the, the hook and the bobber inside the PVC pipe and then use it like a Wii controller. You have a little lanyard that goes around your hand and you throw it out and catch fish with that. And you can just do that from the side, you know, from, from the bank. You don't have, there's a lot of piers. We've got a map on projectfish.org, which is our website, that you can click. There's 81 spots in the Lansing area that uh, you can take a kid fishing. That's what we created this take a kid fishing map, and uh, it was in partnership with one of our with one of our local groups called the Fish in Michigan group, and uh, we created this map because we were doing these programs with kids and and giving them fishing equipment and tackle, and then they would go away and we didn't want them to go away we wanted them to go fishing again so we created a map for other locations and then we also invited them back with their family on three other occasions where we showed them how to clean and cook and stuff so that they could do it in their families in their homes cheaply you know mm-hmm. so that's and that's the whole program idea is let's get these families back to fishing and we get a lot of cards and notes back from these families saying we spent a lot of time now as a family out on the bank, taking a picnic, going fishing, catching fish, showing other people how to catch fish. It's just it, it's going to take a while to get people back to that. Um, we do 
a number of fishing derbies. And, you know, I work in pretty much every county because I'm a state coordinator. So I work with all these extension employees all over the state. And then they do programs within their communities or they train their um, their their community members, and then they help coordinate programs for those community members to teach. So, well, I do think that there's a lot to be gained by that because I was telling you a story during the break of my wife buying me a fishing rod for my birthday, and I wasn't taking advantage of it, and so she decided to, and boy, did she love it. She was out there almost every evening uh, casting her, her line out into the water and catching some amazing fish, and she built a bond with the 10-year-old boy next door who also loved to fish, and the two of them would just hang out together and have a really, really good time. And And I've got to say, it's a great thing for bringing people together and just enjoying nature and understanding how nature works and how important it is to preserve it because of the fact that if you don't, then this is going to go away or it's going to become much tougher and we're going to need guys like Howard Tanner to rebuild it all again. That's exactly. Well, we're trying to create the, the future Howard Tanners because there are people that are really interested in water. Everybody drives by water and you just see water and you go, oh, that's cool. But once you say, well, what's in the water? You know, there's fish that are there and there's things that the fish eat. There's A lot of people don't know what's under that water until you actually bring it out to them and show them that or get them in the water in waders looking at macroinvertebrates or trying to catch fish or things like that. Um, but what one of the, the your story is so spot on because the whole idea that the national, which is the Take Me Fishing campaign from the Recreational Boating and Fishing Foundation, working with law national organizations, they have this thing called the R three initiative: recruitment, retention, and reactivation. So those are the three things that they're focusing on. That's what Project Fish kind of hits on. You know, we're recruiting new members. We're we're um, we're uh, um, we're, we're trying to get to all of those R's, and the reactivation is your wife. She's never done it before, but she's connecting with that kid. And so this, this older generation working with that younger generation as a mentor, and probably that kid learned a lot from your wife that wasn't fishing. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like maybe they worked in your garden afterwards because now you got a bond and, you know, that kind of thing. And now right. you got with the kid next door and you never talked to him before or whatever, you right. know, or thought the kid was a little brat. You know, right. I don't want Exactly. Want to get with those kids, exactly. no, you know, exactly. So those—that's the kind of thing that that we're that we're trying to create. So that that uh, you know uh, that recruitment retention. We we want to retain people too, and then that reactivation. So once you get them fishing, once you've recruited them and you get them fish, you want to you want to retain them and have them keep doing things within the family. That's why you invite them back. We show them new things. You know that maybe they we have another skill because you can teach fishing every day of your life and never teach the same thing twice right. <laughs> in a way there's a lot of that kind of thing so well yeah, it's it's, it, it's exciting it sounds like it and it sounds like a great challenge but one that will benefit 
quite a few people because, again, if you teach a man to fish, he'll eat for a lifetime. And you might get tired of seafood, but at the same time, uh, you never know what the world is going to bring you. And to have that survival skill of being able to feed yourself on a regular basis could be something in the future that is truly beneficial. Well, Mark Stevens, thank you so much for joining me in the studio today and having this conversation and sharing this information. We've been talking with Mark Stevens, who is the program coordinator for program, for Project Fish. We're out of time. So on behalf of our producer, Bruce, and Mark Stevens, this is Lee Cohen wishing all of you a great weekend and a great week ahead. Take good care of your pets and the environment. Have a great week, everybody. 